This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Deluxe Edition. I am your host, Casey Shearer. Joining me, as always, Big L. Ray Sexton. What's going on, Casey? Not too much, buddy. How are you? We're having a great Sunday. Really good Sunday, man. This was, oh, a, yeah. this was a good one. Oh, yeah. You want to tell everyone uh, who we just talked to before I do the house cleaning? We just got done talking to the boys behind Fat Man, which is in my top 10 Christmas movies of all time now, which we did that other podcast, and I clearly put it in my top 10. I think it might have been in my top five. Yeah, we talked about it with the Nelms brothers, the writers of the writers and directors of Fat Man, and uh, they have a new movie coming out soon, uh, coming out this Friday, actually. Make sure you watch it uh, with Orlando Bloom and Andy McDowell. It's called Red Right Hand. Ray and I have had the pleasure of seeing this movie already, and it is fucking fantastic. You've never seen Andy McDowell in a role like this, and I don't know if you've ever seen Orlando Bloom in a role like this. It is really good. Yep. Everybody got to hit the theaters on Friday and see this one because it is amazing. Yeah, either your uh, your theater. If you can't make it out to a local theater to see this, it will be on uh, VOD, as the kids say, video on demand uh, everywhere on uh, February 23rd, 2024. So before we get into our chat with the Nelms brothers, let's just do what I call the house cleaning. We are a part of the Deluxe Edition Network. You can find all the other great shows over at deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Podcasts of the month this month are Films and Fermentation and Friends Talking Nerdy. Two great shows over on the network. Go check them out. We're up to 33 shows over there. They're all amazing. Go check them out. If you'd like to see any of our previous shows, go over to deluxeedition.show. You can find them all over there. I update that every week. We've got a lot of shows coming up. You can also see what we have in store for you. Ray handles all the Instagram duties over on uh, Instagram at Deluxe Edition Pod. What kind of stuff are you doing over there, Ray? Lots of memes, lots of reels. Check it out. Yeah. Cool stuff. We're on TikTok, too. Go go find us on TikTok. I forgot to make one of those gimmicks on here, but uh, Deluxe Edition with Casey and Ray over on TikTok. You can find a ton of reels over there. And let's see. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Deluxe Edition Pod. Go buy a T-shirt, whatamaneuver.net. Search for Deluxe Edition. Uh, let's see. Email us at deluxeeditionpod at gmail.com. Ray's got some bootleg t-shirts over on T Public. What kind of stuff are you doing over there, Ray? Well, over at my site, you can get coffee mugs, diapers. I mean, you can get anything you want over there in 60 different colors. Want to get your lady friend a tank top for summer? We got those in white and extra small. So you, you know, just saying summer's coming. Yeah, summer is coming up, and uh, there are 
tank tops aplenty over on uh, tpublic.com slash user slash sent dash beer dash night dash podcast. All the links will be in the description. And sponsor this week, Ray, back to the Sunday scaries. I've been hooked on these things, man. This legal, like I'm a big weed guy. Everybody knows I, I, I smoke pot every week, every day, not every week, every day. Uh, but these couch potato, uh, these legal, I don't know how they do it. I don't ask questions. These are THC Delta 9 gummies. They're legal somehow. I don't know. But they fucking work, man. They're good. Well, how, how can the people watching this get themselves some of those? Oh, it's very simple, Ray. All you have to do is go over to sundayscaries.com. And to save 20% on your order, you can use code DELUXE15 to save 20%. It's an old code. They've upped the percentage off. So you get you save 20%, but use code DELUXE15, sundayscaries.com. All right. And uh, anything else, Ray? No, let's get to it. All right. Here is our chat with the Nelms Brothers. I'm Casey. That's Ray over there with the long hair. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Ray, uh, I'm Esham Nelms. And I'm Ian Nelms. I've been wait wanting to get you guys on for a long time, so I, I don't know where to start. Big <laughs> fans of you guys. Oh, thank you. Oh, man, thank I, you. I saw Fat Man, I think, when it first came out, and I was hooked on your movies. I, I, I guess so. Let's just, uh, I guess let's start with Fat Man, so... There's not too many movies that I watch every year at Christmas time, and now this has become one of those. Oh, amazing, oh, man. dude. Thank you. That Thank warms you. our heart, brother. <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking great movie. So, like, t tell us tell us all about it, man. Like, how did it uh, how did it all come about? I mean, because we'll get there eventually. I mean, you, you made your first fucking movie for $1,500. So how does, how, does, <laughs> how does Fat Man come about after all that? Uh, I, well, I mean, I guess it was, it was something we wrote really early on, actually. It was, yeah. this, it was the first script we wrote that got some attention, and that was back in 2005, I think, was the first draft of that movie that we wrote. Um, and we would get into meetings, and people would say, okay, we like, we like this script, but, like, what's the tone? And we would be like, well, it's, it's action, drama, some comedy, a little bit of Western at the end. Uh, you know, like it was – it was all across the board, and we weren't savvy enough at the time in 2005 because we, we both had just gotten out of college, moved to LA. Um, we'd been in we'd been in LA for three years, out of college for three years. Right after we got done, we moved right out there. We weren't savvy enough. We hadn't had enough meetings to pitch it or to know the tone. And even if we did know how to pitch it uh, perfectly in a meeting, we were we were being told that we weren't going to get to direct it anyway because you need to be able to have something to show. Like, hey, I can accomplish this tone. So we were we were running into roadblocks all over the place, and then we sort of decided, okay, yeah, I don't know that going out and writing Fat Man as your directorial debut was like the best idea. <laughs> it's hard to translate. It's really hard to translate when you have nothing to show that's like it. So we <clears throat> we immediately said, okay, well, we need to start writing some stuff that we can actually shoot. And so we started writing down, and like we realized, okay, Fat Man, which is you know probably tens to 10 a million dollars like that we're not going to get that first out of the box like let's write, let's write something that we thought was like five million dollars or which people were actually getting started at the time you know like it the artists out of the late 90s early 2000s were coming out and getting like oh i had a short film and now i'm doing a five million dollar film at new regency or now i'm doing a five million dollar film somewhere so it wasn't out of the question it was kind of the model we're like okay we're gonna we're gonna write a five million dollar film we wrote that film 
And as soon as we wrote that film, uh, the sort of DVD market started falling apart. And they were yeah, like, this is around 08. Yeah. And they were like, you know, the, the $5 million entry level movie just moved down to $2 million entry level <laughs> movie. And we were like, my God. So we had finished a script that was actually doing really, really well around town. It's just, no one would let us direct that one. <clears throat> and that was the $5 million one. So then we we're like, okay, well let's, let's, let's do something that's, that's $2 million. <laughs> so we, we promptly went out and wrote something that was two million dollars, and we were really pumped, and we were getting great reads. And then the it's economy, a vicious cycle, gentlemen. The economy cycle. crashed. The economy crashed. Another 08 housing crisis problem. And then everyone's two million dollar entry level movie was now a two hundred thousand dollar movie. And, so, and then pretty much there was like an embargo on first time directors. And it was like, hey, you haven't done anything. You need to go make a two hundred thousand dollar movie before we even like realize you existed at that point we had made a fifteen hundred dollar feature film and a five thousand dollar feature film with our friends in the collaborative effort fifteen hundred dollar one got us in the door at some festivals we got we didn't win any awards or anything we were just lucky to be there to be honest yeah and we got into a couple film festivals one being the palm beach international film festival which at the time in the early 2000s was a um like a top 20 in north america film festival so like they had all kinds of really high profile guests by Ling, Woody Harrelson, you know, had some movies with some, some really right. high profile people. It's kind of like the second run after like a Sundance, you know, and then people would go to Palm beach. We were, we were definitely the, 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 the scum at the festival. <laughs> we, <were smart. laughs> we barely, if, if they had 30 films, we were film number 30. <laughs> we got in by hook or crook. We got in and it was funny because all those old adages of like, you know, it's some, you can't tell who's watching your film at a film festival. People would tell us, you know, it's probably some nine-year-old woman like watching your film. And of course she doesn't like your, your film. You know, you guys are young guys. So like, we're like, oh, that's malarkey. We go to the Palm Beach International Film Festival and we're setting up our little like, okay, like a little poster. And like, you know, we were actually giving away raffle tickets because <laughs> we were going to raffle off a six pack of beer in theme with the movie. Um and we were setting this up and this woman comes up and she's like, who are you guys? And she's like this 80 year old woman. And we're like, Oh, we're the Elms brothers. We made squirrel trap. Oh, I just loved your movie. You know, I really went, I really went at them in the, in the meeting and said, we have to have this squirrel trap movie here at the festival. We literally were the 80 year old. And we were the ones that the 80 year old woman went to, went to battle for us and got us in. So it's, she's it, it, out there slugging for those new filmmakers. It was unbelievable. <laughs> That we that she was actually positive on the film was even more unbelievable. Um, <laughs> that she was the catalyst for how we got into that film festival. So it was really an amazing uh, experience because we made this film. It was like 82 minutes long. Made it for 1,500 bucks with five people we'd worked with that were aspiring actors. And uh, I worked at Tony Roma's. Eshin worked at ArcLight Cinemas. Lots of aspiring filmmakers. We're, we're in the Night of the Dog now. Now, well, yeah. that was that was that's oh, well, Scroll Trap, Scroll Trap. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so then we came home and everyone was like, Well, you made a movie, you made a movie, you made a movie, way to go. And you know, there was no like, Wow, what a movie! It was <laughs> yeah. like, You made we a movie. we're not winning Sundance, you know. What I'm saying? <laughs> no, 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 no. So, so then after that, we decided we were really hungry though. We were sitting in like real movie theaters with Squirrel Trap with like 250 seating with like 50 people in it, <laughs> yeah, 20 like, people in it, sparsely populated, but. People were laughing in the right places. And look at your movie up on our movie screen and just like people reacting like it's a real movie. It was just kind of incredible. We were just blown away. We were just like, we got to do this again. Like, let's get home. Let's get cracking. And we immediately went home and cut 10 minutes out of that movie. And, it, and now it's running time. It was 72 minutes. <laughs> so it was like a long short film. Essentially. It was like a long short film. 
But um, we learned a ton. And we came back with Night of the Dog, which was a $5 million film that we collaborated with four of our friends with. And we just said, hey, two, four of our very talented friends who, again, had never made anything and were all working at Arclight. But they had, like, graduated from film school. You know, so one of them went to USC. Yeah. Uh, one of them had gone to film high school. One of them went to BU yeah. film school. So, like, we had a bunch of, like, film people. Um, and they were like, you guys, how'd you guys make this damn movie? Like, I can't believe you made a movie for 1500 bucks. We want to do it too. So we but, were all just, but it's funny around. because Ian and I didn't go to film school. Like we were going to go <laughs> we to were film the idiots school. Who did not go like, we went to L we came to LA and we were like, okay, well let's, we got to go to film school. We want to be filmmakers. And Ian and well, that, our, that was, that was going to be one of my questions. So what did, what did you guys go to college for? Cause you keep saying, you know, well this, we made this, this was going to be a $5 million movie. Like, how did you know that? Like, how did you budget well, it? And like, how did you figure all that out? So to go forward, we jump back in time. So sure. we, we, 2002, we move out. We start running around with these scripts. We don't have anything worth a damn. But yet. Ian, Ian went to school for. Uh, Ian's, Ian's an amazing wrestler. So like he's like at one point, what top 16 more? I was top six. I was top 16 in Division One NCAA's, but I was uh, third in the in the nation in Greco Roman and placed multiple times with Greco in freestyle in the sort of 23-year-olds and under, you know, through high school and college. I played the, multiple times. The man's a beast. Uh, and, but while he was wrestling his way through college at Cal State Bakersfield, he fell in love with writing and literature and plays and all this stuff. And then I was, um, you know, taking my time, getting through junior college, trying to become a professional paintball player. And uh, and then when that career path didn't seem like it was going to go anywhere, uh, I figured maybe I should actually, like, work on something, you know, a little more steady. So I decided to be an artist. And uh, <laughs> you fucked that up. <laughs> so I went to school for for drawing and painting at um, Kansas City Art Institute, where I promptly only lasted a year there. And uh, Ian Ian called me. He was in, he was in Bakersfield. I was in Kansas City. And he I was an English I was an English major and a theater minor. Yeah, so I, I graduate. I, I was just finishing school. As S was just like, I think I'm done with art school. I'm not, yeah. I'm not really having a good time. I don't think this is what I wish, where I should be. Um, so <laughs> I'm over there. I'm not really having a great time. And but he, we had always loved movies. We'd grown up watching movies together. Um, rented rented out our local video stores. And Ian calls me one night or the next day. Sorry, the next day he calls me. And he goes, Hey man, you know, I just watched these two movies last night and they just blew me away. And I was like, Really? Because I watched two movies last night and they blew me away. Now realize he's in Kansas City at school and i'm in bakersfield california at school and we're up all night like you know i'm two hours difference or whatever it is so i'm watching them at like four in the morning and ian's watching them at like one in the morning unbeknownst to each other we watch the same damn movies and have the same paradigm <laughs> shift it's the most bizarre thing because they weren't like they're not movies that that anybody else that we've heard anybody else reference as like movies that changed their life you know and they really were two movies that changed our life and changed our perspective on what we could do and how movies were made and what we thought we could do. And it was Barfly with Mickey Rourke and Faye Dunaway. And it was uh, The Real Blonde with Matthew Modine and Elizabeth Berkley. Yep. Yep. And and for us, like, look, we grew up on like Dirty Harry movies and Predator and then like, you know, Indiana Jones. Like those are the you movies. You can't see the cracks and the seams in those movies. You know what I mean? You're just, in, you're just sucked in and you're just like, woo! Whereas these other movies were these two very intimate in very different ways, but two very intimate character-driven films. Independent. Yeah. Independent. Barfly has like three locations and like two real stars, and that's kind of it. And there's people peppered in around them, but it's really two actors and three or four settings. It's not it's not a lot. And you're completely you're completely sucked into that movie. Yeah. 
and uh, Matthew Mo- that Matthew Modine movie, uh, The Real Blonde, there was just something about it that was really fun and really funny. Yet it also had a whole like a a lot of layers of like depth and had a point and a lot of themes I could latch onto. And it was about the business and Matthew. It was about the business, but we didn't know anything yeah. about it. And Matthew Modine's just being a horse's ass because he's an actor that can't get a job. It's pretty funny. It's a fantastic movie if you haven't seen it. Uh, but, they both are. But the, when we watched those two movies, I was like, shit, man, I'm coming home this summer. Like, let's let's try it. Let's like we love movies. Maybe we should start like trying to make one. Like maybe we'll write a screenplay. Our dad, we're we're, we're blessed and cursed. Um, our dad was a professional photographer like for, for 20, 20, for 20 years and he would force us to work in his color labs and like take pictures <laughs> and like do all this stuff. So like, un, you know, we, we unwillingly had had all these skills like embedded in our brains. So we kind of knew how to do that. Um, so anyways, we came back and we wrote some really, really bad, bad scripts, scripts uh, that summer. And we made some really bad short films and we ran around and woke all of our friends up at like 2 a.m. because we were so excited about these like short films that we were making (laughs) in the backyard. And they were just really stupid. It was like me with a shotgun running around our parents' uh, property. Like, and then we got one of my mom's chihuahuas that was severely obese. I don't know. And we tied this little string around its neck and we had it run around the yard and we shot really close on it. We were not joking. And then I held, no, it was was running around just a loose string on it. And then I got a rope and Esh pulled me around and then we cut it together and it looked like the Chihuahua was like Godzilla pulling me around. It was oh, really man. funny. And we were just like, funny I can't believe that worked. Like, that's crazy. We were just trying stuff. We we're just goofing around. And so we were literally waking our friends up at three o'clock in the morning, like, just to show them like, you know, 30 seconds of footage of me being dragged around by a giant Chihuahua because we thought it was hilarious. Um, and you know, we, it was it was cool to see people laugh at those little stupid shorts. It was cool to see that some of those little tricks were actually working. And it totally inspired us when we did move to L.A. to be like, okay, well, I think the problem here is that, uh, you know, no one's seen our stuff up on its feet. You know, that's nice. the problem. That's why no one's reacting to these scripts. We just got to go make it. Let alone that we'd never really had anybody look at the script. You know? <laughs> it was like our neighbor, our neighbor was a second AD on like some television show. In L.A. And they would yeah. read it and give us notes, very thoughtful notes. But it wasn't like that person was, you know, that person was going to be able to get us in the biz. You know what I mean? They get us on. They'd let us come in as PAs and stuff on some of those TV shows once in a while, uh, which were a hoot all all to their own and an experience all their own. But you know, she wasn't going to be able to do anything with the script. She was just, you know, thoughtful and you know, gave us great notes. And yeah. then we would we would try to work on it. But and, it, and literally, like Ian and I spent a year writing and, and and figuring out what we're going to do in Bakersfield. And then we just moved down. We just we literally went, drove, we're, we're going to Hollywood. We told our parents, we're, like, we're going to go to Hollywood and make movies. They're like, well, good luck with that. <laughs> we drove down the 101. And as soon as we saw the signs that said Hollywood, the next two exits or whatever, we took one of them. We drove around in circles in the neighborhoods right off Hollywood Boulevard. Right near Hollywood and Highland, which is uh, which is a lot to take in. And then we we, we saw it. We were pulled under Yucca. And there was a for yeah. rent sign. And we're like, okay, well, let's just see if they will rent us an apartment. And they did. <laughs> you know, they rented us an apartment and we were in LA. And then I got a job at Tony Roma's place for ribs. Ash got a, a job at the Arclight Cinemas. Uh, you and know, we were off, it was baby. only it only been open like three months and it was really cool. And he was like, Well, we can watch some free movies at least. Let me jump in here. So he gets a job there, I get a job at Tony Roma's, and then you quickly realize that everybody, you know, that works all those jobs and is in any, anywhere in town is a aspiring actor director and writer or all three and you're just like holy shit like everybody's doing this yeah it was interesting to go from like obviously no one doing it in where we were from yeah to like 
literally everybody doing it in LA. And you realize yeah. how quickly you realize how freaking competitive it is. And you know, where we were like, oh my God, like this is just one block and two places we work. Like, look at all these places around here. Everybody's doing this. Oh my God. This is crazy. So we we after writing scripts and not getting anybody to look at them and not knowing what to do with them, we just decided maybe we need to make a movie. So that's when we got fifteen hundred dollars together and went and shot one. Yeah. Um, and Esh, Esh got in a wreck. That's right. I got my. I, I drive an old uh, beloved eighty four Volkswagen Vanagon, and it got rear ended. And uh, rather than fixing the car, well, I fixed the car myself with a hammer and uh, <laughs> the uh, insurance payout, and we bought the D, the DVX one hundred camera, and we just started shooting stuff guerrilla style on the streets of L.A. <laughs> and that's how nice. we shot Squirrel Trap. Is we went back home uh, and shot that with with some actors that we were working with at the time at the restaurant and the theater. We shot for seven days, came back, had like a pickup day in L.A. at some uh, building, and so we shot we shot that in like eight days, I guess, and we put it together, got into that festival. Learned to edit on Esham's laptop. That's right. So, you know, back in the day, they had these manuals that were like 500 pages long. And so Esh I read that. I read the entire manual and then taught Ian how to do it in 20 minutes. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> <laughs> it really was that day. It took him like two or three weeks to get through the book of like constantly reading and constantly writing shit down in short shortcuts. F301 is the shortcut to move the whatever to this. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then he gets in there and shows me how to use it within 20 minutes. I was fucking humming. I was just like, dude, reading that <laughs> taking the bullet oh yeah that's um, awesome i gotta stop you so <laughs> but going back to the going back to the you guys watching the same movies to at the same time together being in different states how close together are you in age and like has any of that has that stuff happened before like growing up or are you like have you ever noticed stuff like that before i mean we're a year and a half year and a half apart um I would say no, nothing that dramatic, nothing that crazy. But yeah. I will say the one thing we did, like Ash was saying, we rented out the local, you know, video store. We lived in a town at that time. There was about thirty five hundred people, and there was a intersection that was the center of town, just literally an intersection. It had a gas station, had a grocery store, it had uh, pizza factory, taco place, tea, pizza factory, and like a, a video store. And so we rented that sucker out. Uh, we'd walk down there, it was about a mile and a half. Walk it, go get some donuts, get the movies, walk back home. That was literally a, after our chores, which took about eight hours a day. We would spend all night. We would spend all night watching these movies and feasting on donuts and loving life. Oh man, that was like what we would do on the weekends if we didn't have wrestling or soccer. Or, you know, Ash wasn't skating somewhere or something, but yeah, we would. But what it did was, you know, we lived out in the middle of nowhere. It was on a ten-acre horse ranch. None of our all our friends were half an hour into town. We never and we didn't couldn't drive, so we just watched movies and like synthesized our taste. Yeah, it was unbeknownst to us, and we to were make we were so far away from any of our friends that it was like we either got along or we'd be really lonely. Thankfully, we got along. <laughs> yeah. we, learned, we learned to find uh, you know some commonality in the movies. Um, but yeah, we and you know we would wage these. GI Joe wars that would take three days to come to fruition, you know, literally like two or three hours a day, three days of us battling out every little sequence with hundreds of GI Joes and vehicles lined up. Uh, one would take one side, one would take the other, yeah. we'd set them up. And then every scenario, every battle had a, every person dying, had a scenario how that person died. So there's just those little things that you realize when you're putting a movie together, they're not much different. You know what I mean? You're like sitting there going, okay, I've got eight characters. I got to kill six. Snake eyes is going to come off this the guy. Mountain. Yeah. It, it feels, it feels really simple. Similar, you know, it's just hopefully we're doing it better than we were when we were 11, you know? Sure. Yeah, well, I, I had the pleasure of watching Squirrel Trap. Uh, thank you guys for sending that to me. I had, <laughs> oh, man. You soldier, it, man. You soldier. You're it's, uh, you know, as, you know, 
fifteen hundred bucks, you know, you couldn't do much, but for what's there, like you could definitely tell that, you know, there was something there, you know, like that that this was now, gonna I, turn into something. Like that the I'm writing was great. I laughed at I laughed at probably all those same places that you were talking oh, about the the other people laughing at and the um I liked it. I enjoyed it. I just watched it today. Did you get to the end of it and say, well, they made a movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I thought, you know, I I could see I could see like because I've I watched all your other stuff prior to that. So oh, I right. you know, that's interesting. Yeah. I had like I saw like what you guys I guess were, you know, envisioning, you know. It's that's interesting, man, to go back. I haven't watched that in a long time. Yeah. Uh it'd be interesting to go back and watch it again. From what I do remember, Tom Fajetti did a phenomenal job as the fuck up. Where he was, <laughs> I still think, I still thought he was pretty. That might be the highlight of it. He's fucking funny. That guy. We still work with that guy. He's, he's in everything. He's in everything we do. He's in everything. Yeah, he's in. Uh, not, let's talk about Lost on Purpose because that that was that was the next. That was the. I guess after Fat Man, I, I looked you guys up, and that was the first one that I I went back oh, and wow. watched. Then uh, Lost on oh. Purpose. Interesting. Wow. What a so what a what a position that was. Yeah, that's an interesting. Yeah. So that was, as I was saying previously, like that was what happened. We did Squirrel Trap, we did Night of the Dog, and then we won a bunch of film festivals with Night of the Dog, which was really encouraging. We got representation, and then we had Fat Man as a script to like show people, like, hey, here's what we would do if we did something bigger. And that's where I'm saying we would we started getting meetings around town, and we had representation sending us out, and they're like, hey, yeah, they got this weird, these crazy brothers, they got these two no budget films they did. You know, it's crazy they made these films, and they won a couple film festivals with them, like. Check out this script they just did. And we would get in there and they're like, what crazy assholes wrote this script? Because this is kind of nuts. Like, you realize you're never going to get to make this. And we're just like, God, we got to get to make this. Like, this is yeah. what it's about. Making crazy fun stuff. So, I mean, so we really realized that we needed to step it up. You know, Night of the Dog, while entertaining, uh, the production value wasn't great. And no one really wants to watch the five, the six of us. The guys, that are, you know, are all, the gals are all in it. Uh, we just needed some actors. So... <laughs> <laughs> Ian and I, Ian, so we got representation and the first thing they told us after making Night of the Dog was like, hey, stop making these shitty little films. The next movie you guys make is going to be for millions of dollars. And we're like, well, that sounds great. You know, well, like fantastic. We're, we're we'll, we'll sign up for that ticket. <laughs> Cut to six years later. We still hadn't made a movie. Uh, we were immensely frustrated because we made two pretty quick. You know what I mean? When we decided to start making things, we made two. Bam, bam, bam. We're at festivals. We're feeling like filmmakers. We may have not been making any money, but we were creatively fulfilled. You know what I mean? We're out there doing it. And it felt like, hey, we just make a couple more of these or another one of these. Like, I think we might have something, you know? Yeah. And we were making short films along the way and doing all that. But we just got to that point in uh, 10 or 11. And uh, we we're like, man, we got to make something. In 2010, 2011. Yeah. Fortunately, Ian... Um, we, 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 Ian became a swimming instructor. So he's teaching kids to swim all around LA. Two and three year olds. And yeah. uh, and he had saved up like $60,000. Over the course of that five or six years, I saved $60,000 in to make a movie with. This was All like, in singles under his bed. Can't wait to buy that Bentley. <laughs> it was like, I can't wait to make a shitty independent film for less than anybody's ever made one before, but at least I'll have 60 grand to put in a movie. We were very focused. You know what I mean? We were like, okay, we got to make a movie. I do think that most people would like go buy a BMW. <laughs> <laughs> we were stupid uh, enough to make a movie we did it so so ian goes hey dude i got this money and we wrote this we wrote lost on purpose like let's write something for our hometown that we this did. was the two hundred thousand yeah. dollars script everyone was saying we needed and we went back to like write what you know 
write what you, where you're from, put the people you know in there. We want to feel you. We want to yeah. feel where you're from. So we wrote a dairy epic, which <laughs> nobody's looking for. Not one person on the planet is looking for a dairy but, epic. But it was, you know, it was about five ranch hands that worked on a dairy farm in, in Central California. And the dairy owner was a little bit reminiscent of our mom and some other people that we knew. So yeah, we're big fans of like HUD and Last Picture Show. And it very much was like our tribute to sort of that era of filmmaking that we loved a lot. Five yeah. Easy Pieces. I mean, that's sort of late 60s, early 70s, uh, you know, very character driven films were were high on our list. Now, that after about 2002, when we really started diving into independent film and film from the 60s and 70s, those were high on our list of like, wow, how do yeah. they how do they make this? How are these so damn good? You know? <laughs> yeah. So so uh, we venture out there. We, we were calling in every favor. I remember about we, we round up people from Tony Roma's Arc Light. We're casting all of our friends. Uh, we ended up getting Stephen Rogers uh, <laughs> to come on as a as a producer. At Got that it. point, he'd written like Hope Floats and P.S. I Love You, but now he's he's infamous for I Tanya, which was fantastic. But he okay. was a writer friend that we knew, and he put ten thousand dollars. And I remember we were like, "Hey, you know," he was so generous. He was like, "Hey, I'm over at this agency. Look through there and see if you like any actors for your little for your movie that you're doing." So we we were like, "Oh, Jane Katzmerich would be amazing. Like, why don't we get her? We love her. Would would she work with us? Just like <laughs> Miss Liz on the Dairy Farm." And I remember he's like, oh, "Okay, cool." So he he sends it to her, and she she like she goes, "Hey, great, let's have dinner." So we go out to have dinner with her, and we're sitting there, you know. Anyway, long story short, short, like she just wanted to see to make sure we were we were mentally stable and that we were gonna, <laughs> like, and, like invite her out to the Central Valley and then be on a you know, batshit crazy production. But she was down. She was like totally down. She's like, I love this. This, this sounds like a, a blast. I love the script. I'm totally into this. It sounds like fun. And we had at that point, we actually had a few of the other cast in place before we went to Jane. Um, we had James Lafferty, who was at the same management company as us. And we'd met James because not because he was a famous actor, but because he had written a couple of scripts that our manager was like, Hey, you should read these scripts that James wrote. We read them. We're like, Holy shit. He's a really good writer. And then he read a couple of our scripts. He came into town and we all went to sushi and we just sat down for like two hours and just discussing the two scripts that each of us had read. So he read, we read two of his, he read two of ours. And we were just like jazzed with each other creatively. That's right. At the end of that meeting, Ash and I were like, what and he lost on purpose was not one of those scripts. I think it was Fat Man and, and this other script that we'd given him. Yeah. And uh he liked them and, and was pumped about it and was like, God, I'd love to work with you guys. And we're like, dude, we'd love to work with you at the end of it. We walk away and then we're like, we are almost done with Lost on Purpose as a script. And we were just like, wouldn't he make a great this character or this character? And we were like, Yeah, oh my God, either one of those. So we sent him the script and we said, Which one do you want to do? First of all, would you would you work with us? Second of all, which one would you want? Either one of them is yours if you want it, you know. And then he read it and was like, I want to play this guy. And we're like, dude, amazing. So then he was on. And then we went and sort of collected two or three other people for like Aaron Hill from Greek. We started to sort of collect these, these people that were going to be great for these roles. Yeah. And then we went out to Jane and Jane said yes. And then our financing kind of came in and it was independent financing, all yeah. like the more the bigger pieces. Cause we had like someone saying, Hey, I'll put in 25 grand. If you can get somebody I just can recognize. So we got, <laughs> we got C. Thomas Howell. We got C. Thomas Howell. Jeremy Ratchford. We, we got a bunch of really cool like people yeah. we were excited Dale Dickey, to work with. Yeah. Like Dale Dickey, yeah. on, Octavia said she'd do a little role for us. And it was right after, it was right before she was nominated for an Oscar. She was like, yeah, I'll do something for y'all. Let's, let's do something. We were friends with her. I remember we were like, she's like, what do you want me to play? We're like, oh, we got a nurse. She's like, well, I've only played that four times. Yeah, this is like a <laughs> nurse I played. Thanks, guys. We're like, oh, sorry. But she came in and crushed it. All these people just came in and crushed it uh, for us. And we had a, a wonderful ensemble, and we got our $200,000, basically. Well, 
kind of 175. We had 175 thousand dollars. I remember at like day 25 of the shoot, in out of 30 something days, Ian goes to me and he goes, "It's not going to be today. It won't be tomorrow. But we're going to run out of money." <laughs> before we finished shooting the movie. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, what are we going to do? And he's like, well, we could probably get by on these credit cards. We could probably for a limp more days. through it on credit cards. We could probably get to the end of shooting but, them, like, probably. But the, <laughs> but the plane was going to crash into the mountain. And I was like, oh my God, like, we got to get to the end of this somehow. And, and miraculously, the whole town of Visalia like, came together. There's two or three people yeah. that put money together and, and put our last $25,000 together and let us finish the film, to be honest. And it came on as producers and got it done with us. It was yeah. pretty amazing, pretty miraculous. You so, know? We, so we finished Lost on Purpose. We went out and won a ton of like B, B plus, A minus film festivals. Like uh, we won an award at Palm Beach, Real Real Heart in Canada. Like we, we won awards. I think we won a, probably about 20 awards on festivals of that level in Northern America. And then we were like, Okay, that was amazing, but we're not getting the call from Miramax yet. You know what I mean? Like we're no one, no one's like blown away by the. We didn't get into a film market like South by or sure. And we didn't sell the film, and we didn't sell it. So we were like, and then we were, we had one offer. It was for fifty thousand dollars, and we were like, oh Jesus! But this is like when everything the bottom fell out. Two hundred thousand dollars films were being made, and everyone was just getting when a distributor would pick them up back in like. 2013, 2014, they were paying like $50,000 up front. And if you make money, you make money, which everyone says, Hey, we never made any money. Yeah. So that's all you get is the 50 grand. And we which, were like, we can't do that because yeah. we actually have people's we, money. We actually learned a lot about self-distributing. We did. Although we didn't make a ton of money, we learned a ton. Yeah. And so from the distribution of like, through, we did self-distribution we raised all the money ourselves. We budgeted ourselves, hired our own 30 man team, went out and made those movies from understanding the 1500 the $5,000 and the $200,000 film. We were really able to sort of do the budgets. And I, we almost felt like, well, it's like, I don't care what we have. We can make a movie with it. Yeah. You and know? we were just like, we, we knew what these were and the market was plummeting and, and we were like, okay, we got to find, we got to find our way out of this. And it was yeah. make more films was that was the answer. And so after sure. we made that film, it that which run, takes us to Waffle Street. Yeah, it ran. Yeah, well, a, cu a couple things. I gotta stop. I gotta stop. A couple things about Lost My Purpose. I'm just gonna work on pauses for you guys. <laughs> Sorry, we just go. Sorry. <laughs> no, that that makes our job a lot easier. But wow. I do have a lot. I do have a lot of stuff. Um, so Lost on Purpose. So after now listening to you guys talk, that uh, it's sort of like based on your life, like uh, or or at least like a little bit, right? Because it's sure it's. It's, yeah, for sure. But yeah, those characters are very I mean, much like, us. Like we definitely wrote in autobiographical incidences from our life. In our parents sure. aren't, but our parents aren't divorced. You know, I didn't have a traumatic we, experience in wrestling. You know, I finished we, strong and feel great. But we, we did not ever we work, drama. Yeah, we never did work on a dairy farm. But they were all around us everywhere. Yeah. You know, sure. We knew we know horses and team roping. We teamed up with our dad, so there's like a team roping montage in there, which is very much what we see with our dad. Uh, uh, all the way through high school. I do love Volkswagens, and we built that blue Volkswagen for the movie. Ash built all the cars himself, which was amazing. <laughs> it was one of the things he was very excited to do. So he left home. He left for home a couple months early and built all these things in our parents' uh, front yard, <laughs> which was fun. Nice. Yeah, it's a great movie. Um, I, I like it a lot, man. I, everything that you guys have done is is really good. I mean, with with Lost, Thank it's you. interesting, man. Like everybody makes the "I got to get out of this town" movie, right? Like, oh, this town, you know, yeah, I, my future later. And Ian and I didn't want to make that, man. We wanted to make, like, the love letter to our hometown. Because we miss it. We, You know, it's been 20 years since we've been there. And even, especially at that point, we'd been out of, out of uh, Visalia for, like, a decade. Visalia would, like, synonymous in my mind. But we'd been out of we'd been out of our hometown for, like, a decade. And, you know, it was 
was reminiscent, man. It was, we, yeah. were, we were very uh, nostalgic for it. And yeah, like even like American Graffiti, we love that movie, but it also feels like I got to get out of this shitty little town. And we didn't want to be like, <laughs> it's not a shitty little town. It's where we grew up. It made us who we are. And we love that town. We love the people in that town. We wanted to make something to say, hey, thank you. We grew up here and, you know, we're not fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we are, Arguably. but we, we went, we went out and, 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 you know, tried to uh, take our, take our swing at the world. And, and it, it is a lot of it is how we grew up with those blue collar people, uh, you know, that raised us. So, yeah. Yeah. It, sh it shows the side of the, you know, the country that a lot of people don't get to see, I think, you know, especially California. You don't think that exists in California, but it feels very much like Oklahoma in Cal in central California. It's all ranchers and dairy farmers and horse ranchers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then from, so it's interesting. So after the, the festival circuit with lost on purpose is when waffle street came to us and it came to us in, in a unique way in that someone had seen our movie and they were just like, they made it for how much? Because when we got uh, lost on purpose, <laughs> the first thing they told us was like, Hey, you know what you need to do is like, we go, how much can you make this for? I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, well, you need to get it budgeted. So we went and we took it to an L a Los Angeles uh, official line producer and he looked and he broke down the script and he came back with a five million dollar price tag on lost on purpose the lowest we ever got it with some guy was like i don't know how you can do this but you could try to get it for about two point something million and we're like we're not gonna get two million dollars you're crazy yeah. like we were like how the hell are we gonna get two hundred thousand dollars between all these people we know and thankful we were able to scrape that together but yeah we were like this this is ridiculous like we made a movie for 1500 bucks for two hundred thousand dollars i think we could pull this off yeah like, we'd be able to launch a space shuttle to the moon yeah we're like, like let's go grand. like come on <laughs> That's a lot of money. After you make Fat Man, like Fat Man's, you know, it's kind of like a has a pretty big cult following now, I think. So, like, is there any way that you can go back and, like, has there been, like, an uptick in purchases for your older movies? Like, is there any way to to, to find that out? I don't know. It's, that's an interesting question. I mean, I can, I can definitely I they keep, say. Yeah, I know they keep re-upping Small Town Crime. Yeah, that one gets is getting passed around all over the place, like. I think it's on Max right now, HBO Max or Max, whatever it is now. And then they own, it seems like they own Waffle Street forever. I don't know if that'll yeah, ever there was, break the out deal, of the silo. Let's just thing. say the deal wasn't perfect. It was, and it was old school, that deal, <laughs> which was, you know, long term. But we've been, we've been, uh, we just got asked about some of our catalog titles the other day, actually. So that could be something, you know, we could go out and like get lost on purpose out to the world in a little more substantial way. Um, that, that would be, be really fun because that one's really close to our hearts. It was like the first, real movie we made you know what i mean where we had a crew and we were depending on a lot of other people it wasn't just like us and our dad in the backyard you know <laughs> yeah right waffle house so that you guys did this is based on a true story this isn't something that you guys wrote right so how does how does this come about then so we we, we ended up uh, co-writing the strip with autumn mcgalpin but it's obviously based on a memoir by um james adams and uh and it was about his time working in a waffle house you know after he sort of after the financial crisis in 08, he got he got sacked because he was the one handling the house loans. So they were just like, it's your fault, buddy. You're fired. Don't worry, everybody. We got him. You know, it was that kind of BS. Like his company was like, we got the guy out. Don't worry. He fucked it all yeah, up. Blame it, it on like, the guy who just followed order. Yeah, exactly. Blame it on the guy who was following suit, you know. Um, so so he got sacked and they went to work in a Waffle House to sort of suit, to like figure out his soul and what he was going to do in his life. And, he, and so he and this surly line cook who played by Danny Glover. You know, uh, deals him some life deals lessons. him some life lessons of just real hard facts of like you know what what his uh, overprivileged ass is it thinks life is and what it really is you know um, and that's one of the things we loved about it is just this guy just you know 
turning Pinocchio into a real boy is what it kind of felt yeah. like, you know, it was a Pinocchio story in our mind. That's what we kept and, and Ian and I had worked in restaurants, so we had some PTSD from that. So we we're like, oh, wow, this will be good to get in there and exercise some of these demons. You it, know? It, yeah, because it's anecdotes in the restaurant where, you know, we, we thought we had some bad ones, but boy, he had some really <laughs> bad ones. So, uh, he, so we were excited to tell that story because uh, it, 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 was, it was close to our heart in a couple ways, right? You know, the financial crisis <laughs> stuff, of course, everyone was embroiled in that. But then the biz, the the restaurant business, we were looking to, to dip our toe in that for sure. And so Autumn came to us after seeing our movie in a film festival and, and uh, the film festival director recommending that she talk to us. And Autumn's a producer that had written a couple of, written the draft of Waffle Street. It had bounced around L.A. for like 20, like, I don't know, it bounced around for a couple of years, but it was like a $20 million movie. And so no one could make it. It was way too, way too high budgeted. And that's what she was telling us. She was just like, I've. I've continued to rewrite this movie upon executives talking about it and developing it and wanting to make it. And it's turned into a $20 million rom-com. It's not where it really started. She's like, that's not what the book is like, but that's kind of what it's been. That's what it's turned into. She's like, and I, I'm getting really tired after these last couple of years of just hearing, we're going to keep developing it. I want to, I'm just going to make it. I, I've raised a, a half a million dollars and I want to make it like you guys made this for $200,000. How the hell did you do that? can you do this one for $500,000? So we were like, let us read the script. Let us read the book and try to come up with something of what we would do with it. So we did, we went and pitched her and her producing partners. <clears throat> and they were like, we like this. Will you guys write it? We don't have enough money to pay you anything. Or if we did pay you something, it'd be little to nothing. And we were like, okay, look, don't pay us. Let's put it all on the screen. We were like, but you have to promise if we're going to write it, we're going to make it. And they shook our hands. They said, yep, we're going to make it. And so literally after we wrote the script, I think it was within three months, you know, we were in Utah uh, casting and shooting. Like yeah. it was, it happened fast. It was unbelievable. It was awesome. It was, it's our, it's our slimmest shooting day movie. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't get a ton of, we had 20 days or 19 something. and a half. There days. you go. 19 <laughs> and a half. Which was fast for us. Ian and I usually like around 30, um, 30 yeah. plus, but, um, yeah, that one was fast, but it was, fortunately, you know, the story was contained. Um, yeah, we got it done and it was interesting, man. It landed on Netflix at a time where they had a huge subscriber base, but like virtually no content. Not a lot of new stuff coming in. And so we lucked out in this perfect storm where Waffle Street ended up on the front page of Netflix. For months. For like, yeah, it felt like it months. months. Um, and it ended up getting like 250,000 user reviews, which, you know, like. Just not, reviews, not views, but reviews. Yes. Wow. <laughs> it, was, it was insane, but only on that platform. It just yeah. like blew up. Um, and everybody we talked to were like, they're like, oh, you guys are filmmakers. You guys make anything I've seen? We're like, I don't know. We got this Waffle Street. Well, I've seen Waffle Street. We're like, holy shit. <laughs> because it was like, yeah, it was like at a time when like the whole entire world had Netflix and no one had anything to watch on it. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. So it's, it's like, it kind of worked out miraculous for us. And then the, one of the, one of the fun stories about oh, Waffle yeah. Street is, is that oh, God. we had reps oh, and yeah. we were like, so we, we had like managers and agents yeah. and all this stuff. And we had written these crime fillers. Uh, like small town crime and fat man that they were trying to shop around for us. And we just weren't getting any traction, which is why we went and made lost on purpose. Lost on purpose runs this course. And they were like, you know, proud of the film, proud of us for that film, but it wasn't anything like the crime fillers, like small town crime and fat man, obviously, you know, now that you've seen them and we've made them, they didn't, there was no direct correlation. So we still weren't, we were still walking into meetings and people saying, what's the tone. You couldn't say, it's just like lost on purpose, you know, cause it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a drama about dairy farms. So no one's like, yeah, great. We got it. <laughs> we got this one. So they were still like question marks above their heads is when we were talking to them about the film. 
And uh, mainly, you know, we had this big exec at Warner Brothers who we're still friends, really good friends with. Just tell us, like, hey, guys, you're never going to get to make this until you make something that's going to correlate to it. And yeah. we're like, okay, now we understand. So <clears throat> we we get this opportunity to make Waffle Street, and we tell our reps. And, and look, like, it, you got to look at it our way. Like, we had never not made a movie on our own dime before. Like, yeah. you know, and like here was a chance that not only were we going to make – someone else was going to pay for the movie, but we were actually going to get, like, a little check out of it. Like we actually were, like, you know, it wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna it was pay the rent. Thousand, it was a couple thousand dollars a piece, yeah. but you're actually getting a couple thousand dollars a piece instead of instead of spending sixty thousand dollars <laughs> in your life. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like that, that's fucking. And then ridiculous. like we, we found uh, an access point into the movie that we were excited about. So yeah. we're like, this this is like great. Like we get to make a movie and like we actually get paid and we're excited about making it. Like, why wouldn't we make it just re regardless of the genre? So we're in. pitching our reps. We're like, Hey, these guys are going to make this thing. We're, I think we're going to write it for free and they're going to help us make it. They're like, you're what? We're like, Oh, we're going to, we got this deal, handshake deal. They're like, you guys are idiots. And we're like, okay, well look, no one else has brought beaten down the door for us to, to do anything. Like, and this is an opportunity for us to try to make something that we didn't, we're not paying for. And like, we have a way in, we have some, we have a way in that we're actually really excited about the film. They're like, what does it have to do with the crime thrillers? Right? I don't know, but like, look, for us, we want to make we we need to we need to keep make, making making movies. And for some reason, like, I feel like they have people with money behind them. They have access to money. Like, that's what we need. We need access to money. So, like, we're gonna make this in hopes that like the next movie, maybe they'll be like, what do you want to make next? There was yeah. also another motivation in, in that after we finished Lost on Purpose, we showed it to our dad, and he watched it, and he was like, okay, okay, I like it. Now, can you use any other word than fuck? <laughs> a bit of profanity in it, yeah. and, and it was five, you know, young guys on a dairy. So of course they're gonna. Be well, profane. even the dairy owner, yeah, is I mean, pretty crap. Yeah, profane. <laughs> Miss Liz is dishing it out. That's right. You know, it's profane. You know, he's right. So when we went into Waffle Street, we're like, oh wow, like this is a chance we could make a movie that Dad would be proud of, like a clean routine movie. So that was another another. So motivating factor. We decide we're gonna go make it. Our reps are like, okay, we'll send us the ten percent of the twenty five hundred dollars you're making. <laughs> so we sent them two hundred and fifty dollars, and then two weeks later they fucking dropped us. Yeah, they we made the movie, us. and then they fired us. And they, they, made, took they took two hundred fifty dollars and then fired us, and we were just like, fuck, dude, are you kidding? Like this is a joke, right? So we really needed that two hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> the agency did not like that's fucking ridiculous. Especially since they were like, oh, "Get that two fifty, and we're gonna fire these assholes." What the fuck? It was crazy. So Mad, absolute madness. They drop us. We have no reps. We make Waffle Street. It sells to Mar Vista, I think, is the ones who picked it up. And then they turn to us afterward, and they're like, "What do you guys want to do next?" Yeah, that like, went great. That went great. We're like, "Oh, hey, we've got these crime fillers. We throw them the crime fillers. They really like small town crime." And we're like, "But they're nothing like Waffle Street." Right, they're like, like, like just, just understand that if there's Waffle Street over here, we're diametrically opposed <laughs> over here. Like, that doesn't matter. Give it to us. We like you guys. Let's just see what's in the can here. So they open it up. They read it. They like it. They come back to us and they're like, "Okay, look, we think we could get two million bucks for this." We're like, "Are you fucking shitting me?" Like, no, we can get two million bucks to make this, but you need to get. Wait, wait, hold on. So now we're to small town crime. Sorry, no, yeah, all right. Let's let's pause for a second. I got I two questions. <laughs> two questions about Waffle Street. What was it like working with Danny Glover? Amazing. He was amazing. Fan freaking tastic. And everyone warned us. They're like, you got to be careful. Danny's coming. Oh, he's going to get you. He's going to get you. And we're like, what are you talking about? Danny Glover. We love Danny Glover. Freaking. So we get in there and we quickly realize in the first uh, day that like all Danny, all Danny wants to make Danny happy. Of course, a great movie. Of course, a great experience. But the main thing he's worried about is just make sure, making sure he gets enough takes to where he's happy. You know what I mean? And I think he'd been on a couple independent films before that 
one of them with our line with our uh with our first ad which is why he was like trying to freak us out yeah. is that he had an experience where they literally had to do two takes and move on with danny at, at times or like one or one and move on and where we went to danny and we said hey man we're never gonna leave we figured out what was going on we went to him and we just said uh not that we were having a bad experience but why everyone was freaking out and we just went to him and you know to preemptively nix this bullshit right yeah and he was started. like you know i just want to make sure i get enough time and we're like oh <laughs> I get it. He needs. So we just said, Danny, we're never going to leave a take until you feel good. And look, there's a lot of people that are really insecure and would take 600 takes if they could. But that was not Danny Glover. Danny Glover was like, you do two or three and we're like, or four or whatever. And you're like, hey, we're happy. Danny, do you want one more? And he'll be like, yeah, give me one more, baby. Give me one more. Yeah, he always called everyone baby. He'll nail one more and then he'll be like, all right, all right. I feel good, boys. Let's move on. We're like, all right, great. Awesome. And we move on. And dude, it was wonderful. We had this lunch. Which, by the way, Danny called everyone baby, and now I do it. Yeah, it's like, I'm in, it's like I'm in swingers or something. We had all at lunch. Danny would regale everybody with how he was almost cast in the first Predator, and like, dude, it was fucking awesome. Dude, he, he was so during awesome. lunch in a forty minute lunch. He took us through every step of his career. It was insane. It was like that's awesome. We're gonna go way back. And, and like, of course, we, he yeah. does Predator too. But it was amazing that he was, you know, in high contention for Predator One and turned it down. And he was just yeah. like. And then he said after he turned it down and watched the Arnold movie, he was like, shit, I want to fucking do that. Like, I really <laughs> like that movie. And like, what the fuck? What was I thinking? Why did I turn that down? Or whatever his rep story. I can't remember what the story was exactly. Yeah. But he turned it down. And then but the he second like, one comes up and he's like, I'm in. Let's go. Dude, <laughs> even like he was like theater and all of his plays he was yeah. doing and stuff. It's pretty interesting. It yeah. was, a, it was a, you know, like to, to, to listen to where he came from, just, you know, local theater, building himself up to like road trip, road traveling theater. Yeah. And then – uh, segueing out of that into movies and then, you know, talking about, I can't remember what, 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 it, what casting exec it was at Warner brothers, but someone like went to the hill for him and he tells this great story where he was like, she comes up to me and she's like, Danny, I put you up for a lethal weapon. He's like, all right, all right. That's cool, baby. Yeah. Okay. Lethal weapon sounds cool. He reads, it, he likes it. And she's like, and then I, she, she actually went to the, she actually went to those meetings and like went to the hilt for me. He's like, and then I get the call and they're like, Danny, we're considering you for it. And, and he's like, She's like, she tells me this story where she's like in the meeting and they're like, she's like, what do you think about Danny Glover for, for Mur for Murtoff? And they're like, you know, he's, he's black, you know right? He's black, right? And she's all, and he's on, she was like, yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> he's like, so then they start thinking about it. And, you know, I somehow, you know, everybody gets fucking down with me doing this role. He's like, I come in and do the, the read throughs and they're like, oh shit. Okay. This guy's going to kill this. Brilliant. This guy's going to fucking kill this. Yeah. He's so good, man. I remember like. That bit, that bench scene in Waffle Street, dude. That was the craziest that thing. Was fucking insane. It was like a page of dialogue, regardless of what's on the screen. I think it's like half a page of dialogue yeah. was on the screen. But we had a page of dialogue. It was the first scene Danny's shooting, and everyone's like, "Hey, you know, Danny's whatever, seventy some odd years old. Like, he might need a few takes. Strapping him down with a page of dialogue on the first day is pretty fucked up, guys. Like, why don't you just why don't we ease him in with? We're like, dude, our schedule's screwed. We have to do this." And so they're like, all right, Danny's coming in. And like, dude, he comes in. The first take is like butter. Like he just kills this fucking scene. It did like a full page fucking scene without breaks, nose to tail. Not even like. And we were like two takes and we're like, Danny, we're good. Yeah, we man. did two on his side. And we're like, moving on. I think he was. Yeah. <laughs> he fucking killed it. And he, that's the scene. That's the last scene in the movie. You know, the one where he's sitting there yeah. with Jane. 
Yeah. He just slayed that, man. And like, like so much was going wrong. Like the prop watch wasn't there. Yeah. It decided to be like AYSO soccer day in the so background. there's like 50 little soccer players running around in the background <laughs> and they're supposed to be having this like, so we're shooting angles to like ditch eight games that are going on and kids screaming. And we're like, hey, we got that park all to ourselves. Like, yeah, yeah, we got it. We yeah, got that it. was hilarious. When we're like, we got the park, right? They're all, yeah, yeah, don't worry. We got everything shut down. No one's coming in. That's just going to be us and Danny and James. We're like, okay, great. We show there. There's like, 50 fucking soccer teams. <laughs> it's going batshit crazy. We're like, what happened? How Kids are kicking goals right next to us. How are we so supposed to shoot with this? We figured it out. But yeah. yeah. One fun. last thing about Waffle Street. I've seen a lot of horrible shit in movies. I'm a big, big, horrible. Uh, I, I love horror movies. I've seen a lot of nasty stuff. I, I had to fucking turn my head during that bathroom scene. <laughs> Uh, it, that's it is, it's so great because there were conversations there, that people, was a controversial scene people were trying to get us to cut that out and we were just like yeah. you're fucking crazy and you I, can't cut the most controversial moment out of the movie like that's I, what the movie is it's that you need that moment to I, push this guy I, i'm sorry it just ian and i are, are get a little kick out of that uh i remember we were at a screening <laughs> so a lot great. of people were there like 600 people uh, and the producers were like hey if we're gonna sell the movie like you've got to get rid of that scene and we were like well, why don't we just watch it with this audience and see if you want to cut it after that? Because we'd already <laughs> done a bunch of test screenings. Like, we knew how it went down. It was like everyone's having a good time. And when that team comes on, everyone goes, oh, whoa. Oh, my God. Whoa. The whole theater's It was riotous. And, like, people are like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And they kept looking back, like, trying to, like. And everyone's laughing. And, like, you realize it's, it's possibly the grossest, funniest part of the movie. And, right? like, the producers were like. No, okay. you're right. You were right. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> because it, it is, man. Like, you really want those mo- – we are always searching for those moments where it's ultimate audience participation. We're just going to kind of, like, smack you across the face and make sure you're awake. Like, you don't, uh, you don't expect that scene in that movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually have quit a job. I when My first job, I was a busboy at Arner's Restaurant in uh, Pennsylvania, and – Someone had thrown up in the bathroom and oh. they wanted me to clean it up. And I was like, nope, I'm not doing it. Because I, I would have fucking, I would have just thrown up all over the bathroom as well. So I remember James Lafferty, who's, who's obviously doing the scene. He, we go, hey, dude, you want to see the bathroom? He goes, no, I don't want to see it. I just want to be surprised. I, I want to just react to it real true reaction. as it is. And we were like, that's actually a fucking really great idea. And so, and so we didn't tell him what was in it. We just sort of let it present itself when he walked in there. And Lauren, the production designer, did such a phenomenal job. It was so foul. We went in there and we were just like, oh, my God. Like, we couldn't even stay in the same room with that turd. It was so bad. It was, but it, it was you know, obviously everything in there is like food products. But, man, it was, it looked really it was like bad. brownie with chunks of corn <laughs> in it. But it looked bad, dude. Looked did, she add any, did she add any smell to it? No, there wasn't any smell to it, but you look, felt like there was. You, you really get, did. You get a soppy, a soggy cauldron of, of like brownie and vegetables and God knows what else was in there. Like it's going to start fermenting and not smelling good pretty quickly. <laughs> and I remember James went in there and he started doing plunging it. And, uh, and he literally looks at us like halfway through and he goes, no, I seriously might puke. I need to stop. I need to seriously like, I, I think I'm going to throw up. Yeah, amazing. All right, now let's get into small time small town crime. Uh John Hawks, who everyone knows now from uh True Detective, the new season of True Detective, Octavia Spencer, uh Robert Forster, uh Anthony Anderson's in this one, another James Lafferty. 
Another great fucking movie. Is there is there a possibility of a small time uh, small town crime too? I mean, anything's possible. Anything's possible. I think I think it would be a reconfiguring um, of assets for another property. But I do I do like. We have a series in mind. Is what we yeah. had in mind. Um, and we hadn't we hadn't pushed it to the point where we like had finished it and went around and pitched it or anything. But we definitely had like we had something, you know what I mean. And we just haven't pursued it. We haven't pushed it because we've been working on other stuff. Yeah, the features yeah, you kind of left you left left it open at the end there a little oh, bit, yeah. right? Absolutely, hundred percent. And it was you know we definitely had more adventures for Mike Kendall. Uh, you know, maybe he goes abroad. You know, maybe he's he's you know moves around a little bit into some bigger cities. Um, yeah, no, we had a lot of ideas for that. You know. But so that so this is where that one where they, they fire us, the agents and managers fire us. And then we go, I don't know how, but like, I feel like this is going to like this is going to be something. And, and so it ended up like the producers afterwards said, hey, what do you got? We got some money. And we said, hey, this one, they liked it. They said, but you got to find some cast. Like, can you guys find some cast to cast this thing up? So we were actually working with Octavia on a uh, on an adaptation of a book she had. And we were just uh, brainstorming, doing some development work with her at her, and she invited us over. So we're sitting there for like an hour. And then we just cut the trailer for Waffle Street. And she's like, what are y'all working on? We're like, oh, hey, we just cut the trailer for our latest movie. She hadn't seen it, didn't know about it. And we were like, uh, it's called Waffle Street, Danny Glover and James Laffer. And she's like, oh, shit, Danny Glover? I love Danny Glover. We're like, all right, great. She's like, oh, let me see that trailer. Let me see it. So we play it for her. And she's like, damn, y'all, this fucking looks good. This looks exciting. I love Danny Glover shit, I want to see this. And she's like, well, what are you doing next? And we're like, well, we're rewriting this thing with you. She's like, no, what feature film are you doing next? We're like, okay. And, and we kind of were prepared, right? We, yeah. It's not like we walked in and like we had a, a, a director's had a, book. A deck. We were, we were going out to start pitching it. Yeah, so we happened to have all this material with us when we went over there. And we also had the inside track that we knew Octavia loved like whodunit crime stuff. No, having known her for a decade at that point, like we knew. Like I remember when she was watching like Making of a Murderer. And she was like, he did it, y'all. Like, I see it in his eyes. Like, I know he did it, you know? It was like docu-series on crime, it, yeah. true she crime stuff. And so she's like, I love crime thrillers. Let me see that thing. So we show her the, the director's book, and she's like, oh, this looks great. This looks great, y'all. Let me read it. So she calls us back like two days later, and she's like, I love it. I'm in. I'm EPing this thing. Like, is there like a cop or something I could play? Like, what, what are you guys thinking? And we're like, okay, let us think about this. She's like, tell me what actor you want. We Bring all your list. We all landed on John Hawks. And then uh, she's like, oh, that's great. That's great. I love him. We're like, okay, great. And she's like, well, what do you – and then we came to her. We had this idea after uh, we pitched her. Okay, well, what do you think? Instead of playing some random cop, like what if we switch it? Because it was just – And we just do like an interracial adopted family and John's the yeah. screw-up you know, adopted kid. Exactly. <laughs> and so she loved that idea. She's like, oh, that's really funny. So she was like, all right, who do you want as my husband? And we were like, well, we're big Anthony Anderson fans. And she's like, all right, you know what? I actually know Anthony Anderson. We, we get our nails done at the same salon. So we were like, uh, really? <laughs> okay. So she, it wasn't at the salon. She calls us back like two weeks later. And she's like, I ran into Anthony. I pitched him this thing. He's now read it. He loves it. He's in, y'all. Anthony's in. We're like, holy shit. John Hawks, Octavia Spencer, Anthony Anderson. Like, this is fucking like a dream cast of this thing. Yeah, we got Bob Forrester. And then uh, we got Robert Forrester and then Clifton Collins Jr. And then... It was a Jeremy Ratchford and James Lafferty came in and played the evil bastards for us. Katie Lotz came in and did a a bit for it. Man, we just had such a fucking – it was like Christmas every time, uh, every day of shooting because some wild character would be coming in, you know, to blow us away with a performance uh, with John. It was fun, man. It was super fun. 
And uh, we finished that one. We got into South by Southwest. And we did that one for like 1.9 1. 9 in 1. Utah. 9. Yeah. Um, and we get into South by Southwest with it. Uh, we got a premiere at the Paramount. I don't know if you've ever been to South by, but the, the Paramount's like a 1200 seat auditorium with a balcony. And we sold that sucker out. And it was unbelievable. It was like that. It, it'll be hard to eclipse that ever, ever, ever. I, I, I thought I was going to cry. Esh actually cried. We got a standing ovation on that last shootout with where Ratchford goes down. It was a standing ovation and everyone had to sit back down to finish the movie. It was fucking insane. Like, like, it was it's insane. weird. There was like enough hype on the movie, but there was no one knew what to expect. Right. It was like a lot of hype and no expectations. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the best case scenario, right? They're like, look, these, right. there's some great actors in this. It's an interesting premise. Uh, let's go check it out. Uh, this might just be terrible. And then fucking people loved it. We're like, woo. So it was fucking amazing. It was an amazing yeah. experience. <laughs> Uh, we sold the film out of there in a little bit of a bidding war for basically I remember, what we made it. Yeah, I remember the, the festival director told us, hey, no one comes to South by to sell a film. If you're thinking about selling your film out of here for you know, a couple for millions of dollars, it's not going to happen. It's not fucking Sundance. So don't think you're going to come here and make that multi-million dollar deal. And then Ian and I turned to each other right after she said that and like, we're selling our we're movie. Fucking doing we fucking do it. We told her, we went to her, we go, Janet, we love you, but we're going we're gonna to make a sale out of here. Prove you wrong, Janet. She's like, all right, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. <laughs> and then we fucking did, man. We sold the damn thing for what we made it for, 1.9. And then uh, awesome. and then uh, Saban picked it up. Um, and then that relationship was pretty incredible because we get reps. We get new reps after that. Yeah, um, we get some new representation. And uh, they were like, hey, they looked at our stuff and they're like, hey, I think this Fat Man movie. Although- well, we should stop. Oh, yeah. Pause. Sorry. All right. Do you have any questions about small town? <laughs> small town crime? No, I don't really have any questions about it. It's, uh, it's just another phenomenal movie. And and think about that. If anyone if anyone had seen Waffle Street or Lost on Purpose prior to going into that theater and then watching this and like the the fucking difference. <laughs> I know. It's like you know, it is, dude. It's night and day. I think that's where where no one had any expectations, right? They're like. This is going to be some like scrappy little thing. I don't know what they expected, but uh, man, I'm glad they were pleasantly surprised. Me too. Because it really did open the door for Fat Man, which we thought was a long way off. No chance in hell we get to make that movie for at least another decade. Um, but the interesting thing started happening is that we started, the, our team got together, looked at all of our stuff, and they were just like, although batshit crazy, like this Fat Man film, there's something here. Like this is like really original. Like we think we, you should do this next. Like this is one of you, this is like we, we're one of your most original. And pieces. we're like, really? You think we should do this one next? Okay, we were, we were fucking excited. We we're just like, holy shit, really? You think we could get that going? Um, and they were like, let's try. But yes, we think this is the one you yeah. should make next. So they were very encouraging. Went to the hilt to get us in all these meetings. We took like twenty meetings uh, with we financiers. Were we were supposed to make it with a studio uh, first. Yeah, we had a studio that was really interested in it, wanted to do it, and then some creative differences on casting and how it should end. And we were like, I think we're going to go to these independent companies that we're interested in and see if we can do it there. Because we just wanted to keep the script intact. We did not want to compromise. You know, it was not one of those scripts. Like we had notes and this was not necessarily the, the uh, studio, but there were some, they, they just wanted to conventionalize it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, hey, maybe start the thing with like, you know, uh, Mrs. Claus reading from a book and you launch into it. We're like, uh, yeah. that, that's fucking Elf or whatever. Like that's not this movie. And then they're like, well, maybe... Keep it the road trip with little Billy and the Hitman. We're like, that sounds fucking. They made that movie. It's called Dutch. Like, <laughs> they, they don't want to make that movie. You know what I mean? Like, that's not the movie. The like, movie is fucking Santa Dutch. and the Hitman, and the little bastard sets it in motion. Yeah, and we were like, for us, like, and they were like, you know, you need some some scenes with like Santa coming down the chimney and like tiptoeing through houses, and we were like. 
That's what that's, we avoided. Like, we're, like we don't want those things. We're like, this is the movie that's between all of those moments. Like yeah. we yeah. lost. What makes movie. what makes Fat Man so great is it makes it makes Santa a real person. It makes it turns him into a real person. That's what we were after. We were after the moments between him and Mrs. Claus, you know, where they're you know doing other things. Not- <laughs> we literally got pitched. You need the moment where Santa and his sleigh is going in front of the moon, and we were like, "Fuck <laughs> you! We're, we'll take our exit now." Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, talking about some of the flack, uh, the the pushback. Did you get any flack for um, having uh, what was her name, Marianne Jean Baptiste, as the as Mrs. Claus? A black woman as Mrs. Claus. Did you get any pushback for that? Nobody, nobody in the in the producer. No, no, team. they liked it. They no, no, it was cool. They yeah, yeah. It was and, and all the actors loved the idea. Um, so that no, not really. You know, that was actually one that was like really like. I remember we told we were told we told Mel about it. He's like, I fucking love it. Let's do it. Oh, that sounds. He's awesome. like, we gonna do it with the accent too. I'm like, heck yeah. He's like, I love that. Idea. <laughs> yeah, because he he loved the idea, of Marianne. And then when he, he was like, well, what are you gonna do? She's British, and we're like, oh, we love the accent. We want to keep it. He's like, oh fuck, I love that. He's like, what like, sleigh ride did we meet on? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, he was totally down. He loved every aspect of it, thankfully. And like that meeting was interesting because we hit like 20 companies, right? And we're like, hey, this is the movie. We're excited. You know, some people were like, change it into Dutch. Some people were like, hey, do this, do that. And we were like, fuck, it's, you know, and then we started getting some companies that were like, hey, we like it the way it is. Like, we think this could be really fucking crazy. Like, why, why compromise and ruin 20% of the film just to try to make it fit into some box? Like, yeah. we, why would we do that? And we were like, okay, these are the companies we want to work with. And the problem there was that we were having is we were about a million and a half dollars short of being able to make, you know, the, make make the film because it, that last million and a half to barely pull off the movie yeah. was was what we needed to actually build a few sets. You know what I mean? So we were like, well, if we can't build a few sets, we're not going to be able to like find an elf workshop that looks anything <laughs> like an elf workshop. You're going to be like in some Toyota factory, like saying, yeah, that's fucking Santa's. That's not a thing that makes fucking doors, you know. <laughs> it's just it was just going to be like us trying to find something that looked like it could be that. And obviously, anybody that worked in the auto industry would be like, "This is fucking ridiculous," you know. We needed some originality. We needed to build some shit, and it was going to cost a million and a half more. And so we were like, all these companies were sort of stuck at this number, shy of a million and a half. All these companies—they're all the same number because they're all doing the same gymnastics, mathematics with the cast internationally and saying, "This is your number. This is what you have to make it for." And then. We got this call from Saban. Like I was saying, that that relationship and really they, paid off. And they had done so well on Small Town that they were like, "What do you guys need?" And we're like, wow, "You know, we uh, we need another one another million and a half." And they're like, "Yeah, we'll give it to you." And they're like, "We're gonna give it to you because we fucking love you guys. This movie's batshit crazy. Like, let's see, the, let's see you pull this off." And they're like, "We want to invest in you guys." Yeah, and they're like, "We're investing in you. Like, we fucking love you guys." We're yeah. like, "Fuck, amazing." Okay, Jesus. So they were literally the only game in town that said. Hey, we're putting our nuts on the block and let's go make this thing. Everybody else was like, "Can you can you knock a million and a half out? Because we're not doing it." Can you way. just lose one nut? Yeah, just one. <laughs> just chop it. So we were like, "No." Thank goodness Saban came in and was like, "We're gonna do it." So they saved our bacon. They went they went hard for us and and came in with that extra half million and a half, and we were able to actually make the film we were excited to make. You know, would we have loved to, you know six more helicopter shots and whatever? Yes, but like we were able to get it done the way we needed to get it done for that extra million and a half. So a couple questions. What was it like working with Mel and uh, Walton Goggins? Walton Goggins is, he's a phenomenal fucking actor, man. The, if anyone hasn't seen him in um, the righteous gemstones as uncle baby, Billy, it's one of the greatest characters ever on the planet earth. It's so fucking, he's so good. It, that dude is a genius, like straight yeah. up a genius. Uh, so we'll start, we'll start with Walton. Yeah. So I remember we, we met with a bunch of like really great actors. We met like 10 of them. 
we met like 10 amazing actors that would have made amazing skinny man. So yeah. And they were all going to be great in their own right. But I remember we, we, we went, we went out to let, we went, we were, we were summoned to go meet Walton at a coffee shop in some hotel or something. And it's not, it's, it's not intimate. It's crowded. There's people all over the place in there. We're sitting across from Walton and he starts getting amped about the script. He starts talking about the skinny man. And then he stands up like rifle in hand and he becomes the skinny man. He metamorphosizes into the skinny man in front of us. And he goes, that incredible. I'm looking down on this elf and I'm wondering, and we're just like, holy smokes, dude. This- we're like, wow. <laughs> like the intensity and like the fucking eccentricities, like yeah. it was all fucking shining. And we were just like, fuck dude. He is like, like the guy. Yeah. I would say we're like, he's fucking hired. We're getting Walton. We're going on this show, like journey. And, and uh, God almighty, was he brilliant. And, and just working with him, dude, he, he throws so many options at you, right? And he's always on a voyage of discovery. Always... An embarrassment of riches. With yeah. That you have so much stuff to work with. He's like, giving you so much. I'm just thinking about some of the scenes we edited and like the scene where he's like calling the post office and he's like on his laptop smoking and like he gets like. Pacing around. Yeah. Like I remember when he starts beating the shit out of the laptop on one of those takes and was like, okay, we're going to use that. Like, how do we make, like, we got to back into that edit, right? Like he, he just does these really cool things and you're like, okay, we have to. We to get that in the movie and like let's figure out how to edit that edit around that. Yeah. He was a lot of fun to work with. Very different from Mel. He's one of those guys like Ash storyboards the entire movie. So we have the whole thing kind of storyboarded out and you're like you show Walt in the frame. And, and like you're not married to the storyboards, but you know, usually you end up with something pretty close to that. Whereas Walt would walk in and you're like, Hey, we're thinking ABC. And then he'd be like, A D F G. There's no F G on the story. <laughs> <laughs> like, we get a camera up on the starting So, so you got to reconfigure a little bit. But you know, giving him some context and then cutting him loose is fucking really fun because he starts thinking of all kinds of strange oh my God. shit. Like when he kissed that hamster. But yeah, that was not a script. You know, and he's fucking like at one point he like tries to put him in his mouth. Like he's just fucking around, having fun, and he's like, you can't get a disease from a hamster, can you? Like yeah. it was like a bunch of funny ass shit that he starts thinking about after he's like impulsively. Doing it. And he's like, we, we like walk in the house and he like, it, it's not even the shot. He like starts pulling food out of the fridge for that first hit. And it's like, the fridge is in the background. It's not in the shot. And we're like, what he, he like just walks over to it and starts pulling, rummaging through it. And we're like, oh, that's fucking great. So we go throw a camera in the fridge, you know. Now, now being that you guys like weren't formally trained in this, in this type of thing, do you, and, and you're working with these like, you know, well-known actors who have been around it forever. Is that something that you just you you have you have to roll with then? Like you you're like okay, this is what we're doing. No, I mean look, like there are times where it goes off the rails, and you're like, hey, let's huddle up real quick. You know, like maybe we don't like pee off the balcony this take. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like you know, we're just like, hey, if it goes a little too baddy, we we'll, we'll reel it in. But then there's other folks, you know, that like they want to know like exactly what mark you want them to hit. Uh, where you want them to look on what line and like they're like you're like hey can you turn a little to your left to catch the light and they're like oh yeah no problem and they're like doing it all perfectly and it feels utterly and completely naturalistic and you're like this is phenomenal but you you just gave them like eight robotic moves to do and they make it look fucking flawlessly perfect yeah like (laughs) any other actor would be like wait what you want me to take three steps hit the light turn my mark and then you know how am i supposed to do all that and stay in the moment you know but But there's some people that can do that you know so you just find the actors what how the actor works and then you try to you try to yeah. work as well as you can within their parameters because you want the best you want the best out of them they want the best out of you you know so you're just trying to find that middle ground of getting the best out of everybody and I don't know if John yeah. works like this on everybody but I remember with small town crime like John's very specific on what 
He's like, in the script, what the dialogue is, like word where, by word. Hit the mic. Like, what mark do you want me to hit? Where do you want me to look? There, there. He's super open to all that. I'm sure he works other ways as well, but like he was just like, okay, you want me to look on this line? Great, I got it. You on know? that one, it was like, okay, how do, yeah, he was he was the ABC D guy. He was nailing everything perfectly. As, as, and, and, you know, and Mel's got a little bit of that too, but Mel's more like, <laughs> hey, what? he'll like pitch you ideas. He's like, hey, do you think this line's funny? And like, he'll like give you the line. You're like, oh, that's pretty funny. That's yeah, pretty put funny. that in <laughs> Movie, you know, he'll give us another one. He's like, too far. And we're off. Maybe. Yeah, it's a little far. Then he'll be walking around and come back to another one. Okay, that was pretty good. You know, just little things he wants to to slip in in between lines and yeah. stuff, or yeah. or things he's thinking of when, like, a lot of those moments when him and Marianne when they're huddling up and he's like stealing cookies from her and shit and saying like, oh, da da da. You know, like these little one offs that he's doing with her. He had a million Cadge. of those. Remember when he was like, funny. you ever hear the word cadge? Catch a glass, or like catch. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know that word. But like all the stuff he was coming up with could work very well for a guy who's a thousand years old. Yeah, you know what I mean, like, yeah. like weird fucking phrases that aren't in in, in rotation anymore that he's still yeah. using. He but, was thinking of some really cool shit. But dude, like, he, so that was like a pretty nerve wracking in the beginning, right? Like, what the heck? How are you gonna direct Mel Gibson? You know, like this dude won guy? Oscars for direction. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. this should be an Oscars first performance. You're like, wow, this is gonna be really interesting. But uh, I mean, the f the first thing we do is try to just, you know, is is to stay true to your vision and keep and keep moving forward. And thankfully, Mel and Walton are two thousand percent on board to help you reach that vision. You know, yeah. I mean, these are these are team players who work exactly the opposite way or or very differently at least. Um, whereas, like. You know, and Mel was, it was awesome because Mel is so versed in direction. There were just times where he's like, you know, he would drop little things or we would just start talking about a scene that he had and we would try to use that in, in a scene that was similar in ours. You know, what I'm saying, like a gory scene that you double print two frames in the edit and shit like that, where he was talking about stuff in Braveheart and he was talking about stuff in Heartbreak Ridge. And we would just, we would, he's a real film. We were really. just stealing as much as we could. We were him. just trying to pump that guy for as much great stuff as possible. And luckily he's super, you know, he's super, he, you know, outward about it he'll, yeah. he'll tell you he'll tell you everything he's great yeah. that's awesome going back to what you said about walton get getting up and and standing there with the gun like pretending he's holding a gun i don't know if that's an actor thing but like after doing this podcast i've become friends with like certain certain people who i'm still blown away that i'm friends with like mark singer the beast master yeah. um he's one of those guys where he he'll do that like if he's talking about something he'll pop up out of his seat and he'll start like acting and uh one time just a quick little story i was sitting in mark singer's living room and like he's like trying to teach me acting he, he's like thinks that i'd be a good actor and he's like walking me through this thing and i'm like well i don't know how to like be angry mark i'm not like i'm not angry i'm not an angry person you know what i mean and he just he's like he stood up and he got right in my face and he's like if you don't think i'll beat the shit out of you right here in my living room and he's like i'm like calm down like he's like that's acting he's like it's i would never do any of those things to you i'm like nah, i'm just fucking with you i'm just like oh, that's awesome those are amazing moments you, yeah, I, was, you're absolutely right man like actors are such wonderfully beautiful human beings man they're just wired a very very special way yeah yeah it's incredible so uh yeah fat man another it's just phenomenal movie and then to go from Squirrel Trap to Fat Man, and then now what's coming out in just a few days, this movie, guys. Holy the, shit. The Red Riding Hood. I watched it twice back to back. Dude, that's I mean, amazing. It's, wow. 
I've never seen Andy McDowell in a role like this. Um, I'm not too familiar with Orlando Bloom's work. I know he's been in some famous <laughs> movies like Pirates of the Caribbean, but that's not stuff that I'm into. But this this fucking movie, guys, holy shit. Oh, awesome, man. I'm so glad you it's, dug it. It's so good, guys. We had a blast making it. I mean, in it, our like when we read the script, the character, it's not our script. So this is like one Yeah, of the yeah. So that, that I have a couple of questions about that. So you guys didn't write this one and this is the writer's first feature film. Yeah. Um so like what made you take this this on as a as a thing to do and being that you are writers, um did you get to change any of the dialogue at all that you that you weren't comfortable with or didn't didn't yeah. think fit? So it's that's it, a, a a bit of a process there. So um, yeah, just take we'll, them through. We'll go that's... back a little bit. So in 2017, we we and when Small Town Crime was doing the rounds, uh, Orlando Bloom watched it and he liked it and he wanted to sit down with us. And so we had breakfast with Orlando, and we just hit it off. And we just really enjoyed getting to know him as a person beyond Pirates of the Caribbean, Lord of the Rings, and Elves and things like that. Right? Like we found we we're like, wow, this guy's really got a lot of layers to him. And we that have I've never seen on screen. Yeah, and I think he's got a, a you know some exciting things to offer on screen that people haven't seen before, and that excited us. And so he was like, "Dude, I'd love to work with you guys. Like, knock Find out, something. knock out my teeth, give me face tattoos, like whatever you want to do, I'm down." And we're like, "Okay, cool. Like, let's let's figure out something to do." So when this one, when Jonathan Easley's script landed on our desk, first of all, we absolutely were like, "Wow, these characters leap off the page," and there was like some like the the, the dialogue was fantastic. Uh, the story was a real page turner. We were like, wow, this is a great, great script. And I, and, and then we were like, but if we get Orlando to play cash now, now that's like really exciting for us because not only do we have a great story, but we have a, an actor that I've never seen do a story like that. So, so that was kind of twofold. Yeah. We were really excited about, we liked the script a lot, but we were really excited about kind of the combo of the script in Orlando. So we text Orlando. We said, Hey, we've got something we want to pass your way. He's like, all right, send it over. I mean, he read it, hit us up and was like, holy shit, y'all, I'm in. Let's do this. Like, let's go. I'm this this is crazy. This is like a badass movie. I want to do this. This is awesome. And we're like, all right, awesome. So we had our guy, and he was if from that point on, he went into like three months worth of dialogue and dialect, you know, working on his dialect for it. Um, yeah, he was a hundred percent in working on the look, working on like he just worked his ass off on this movie, and I think that's why, and I think it shows, you know what I mean? Yeah, and even like the physicality of the character, right? He's he really wanted to do something unique with his physicality and like get a little bulkier because he felt this guy needed to be really capable. Um, so it, it you know, I think for him, like the physical transformation is pretty, pretty it's awesome. It's amazing, yeah. And I then, couldn't ask for a better partner on that. Like he really yeah. went to the hilt to to give us something new and fresh. And then yeah, we uh, we we run this. Sorry, we run this podcast network, uh, the Deluxe Edition Network, with uh, thirty three different podcasts on it. And I I have yeah. a big group chat, and I put the the poster in there, and I said everybody should make sure they watch this on the twenty third. Um, and uh, yeah. one of the one of the girls said, uh, unless Orlando Bloom is shirtless without his pants on. I'm not watching it. And I said, well, you're in luck because he's there's a scene where he's in his boxers. Check, check, check. <laughs> and th that's funny, man. We'll send her the uh, the original edit of that scene because it was a little bit longer. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, it was him making, uh, shaming all of us, man. It was ridiculous. Um, you guys, the man's a specimen. You asked about the writing process. So we can back up just a touch in that the script came. We were excited about uh, Orlando for the role, but we did want to do some work on it. 
Jonathan was an incredible collaborator. Like we mainly we wanted to push a lot of these action sequences that are in there. You know, it was a little bit smaller. It was a little more condensed, a lot more. Not a lot of that. That last like 20 minute section wasn't the freaking crazy melee that it is that inter, intermingles a lot of the characters and a lot of the themes. Uh, and we just kind of pumped that out with him. And he did all the writing. We just we just uh, would get together with him, brainstorm a ton of it. And then he would go and put it down and he did such a phenomenal job. You know, like we've done collaborative efforts before with writers who want to keep writing on their own script and, you know, their heart's not in it at times, you know, cause they liked the script the way it was. And if you're trying to change this, they're kind of like, well, is that what you wanted? You know, they're not like, woo, this is a cool note. And look what I did. Sure. And I did this down the river to make sure it worked. Jonathan was that guy. He was the guy that was going and giving us everything he had to make the notes work because we had developed them together and he was excited about them as we were, you know? Yeah, nice. And then there was the pass that Esh and I do right before we direct, which we take a few weeks to just make sure everything's beat out and we can see every every action beat and you know know what we're looking at when Esh starts the board. Cool. This is the also the biggest cast that you guys have ever worked with, right? I don't know. I mean, it's a pretty big ensemble. You, yeah, as far as the sheer number of parts. Yeah, like it's just yeah. the, like the amount of people. Not not really that have all speaking roles, but there's a there's a lot of people in this movie. It's packed. It is packed with like that supporting cast is thick. Yeah. I, you know, I, it's hard because there was like, I don't know. I think a fat man, I'm like, oh, well, there was a lot of that too. Um, yeah, it's, it's, true, it's, yeah. It's, it's big. You know, they're both, there's, you know, they all feel like a lot when you're in the middle of them. But yeah, sure. you know, there's, there's yeah no, I forgot about fat man. Fat man, there is a lot of people in that too. I mean, especially yeah. the elves. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. The elves alone. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know we do like a big ensemble cast. It just I don't know, it makes the world feel more more uh, you know real to us and more full to us. If you can kind of picture even the guy with a couple of lines, you can kind of picture his life and kind of understand him. You know, we do we do go by the credo of no character left behind. You know, if it's like a couple of lines, you're like I, I want to feel this guy a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess uh, you want to talk about Andy. Uh, yeah, a little bit. One of the things I noticed that you guys do in a bunch of your movies that. Um, is this something that you guys started doing or I guess it is. Cause I heard it. I know I heard it in, in one of your other movies too, where you guys do is something I remember as a kid, a lot of movies would do is the title drop where you say the name of the title in the movie at some point. Sometimes does small town crime do it. I, I don't know if small that town I don't remember. I know, I know for sure you guys do it in red, right hand. Yeah. At the very end, there's a hit on it because red, we, right we definitely hand. wanted to show <laughs> I, we really liked uh, we really liked that passage, like what it was based on, you know, and I think getting to the end of the film and having that was another thing that we collaborated with Jonathan to put at the end, because I, I actually really liked the touchback um, to to uh, what is it? Dante's Inferno, right? Is that what it is? No, it's uh, it's not Milton. Sorry, it's Milton. It's Milton. Thank you. I literally have done that before. Yeah, it's Milton's uh, uh, Paradise Lost. And he has this passage in there, you know, where it's basically talking about the devil and the revenge and this is red right hand of revenge, which I, it, I think it's a really cool touchback to just a lot of the themes in the movie, you know, for you to sort of end. And it has a hopeful it has a hopeful ending. Um, I don't want to get spoilery, but it has a hopeful ending, although we travel through a whole lot of darkness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, it's. This is a, it's a good one, man. Let's yeah, let's talk about Andy McDowell. I've never seen her in a role like this before, and she was phenomenal. Dude, I agree. So, <laughs> so this is a bit my bad, and I'm I'm 100 up to own this. So we kicked around Andy McDowell's name, and I was like for Big Cat, and I was like, man, we've never seen her do this before. Like, there's no way she's gonna do it. 
That, it I, wasn't I, that we weren't excited for her to try. Yeah, to I was just like, there's no way that she's going to do it. It would have been awesome if we were like, oh, she wants to do this. We talked to her before, but we didn't know her. We didn't know anybody that knew her. And it was just like, she's on the list, but it's like, are we really going to go after her and waste a month trying to get a read from Yeah, because she's you, not even going to be interested in doing something like this? To Ian's yeah. point, like you go and you submit to these actors and it could take anywhere from two weeks to a month for them to even get back to you. So a lot of these like exciting choices of like, well, why didn't you get this person to do that role? That would have been exciting. You're like, well, yeah, it would have been if I had two years, to an extra month or a year to like, you know, like sometimes it takes people a long time. You don't get the answer. Maybe they didn't have time to read it or whatever it is. It takes a lot of time to get passes yeah. and get and get yeses and nos. So miraculous, you have to it. sort of you have to sort of find this this middle ground in a lot of these casting decisions or moments of where you're like. We need to go after somebody that's realistic, but we also need to go after somebody who's exciting. And we need to go after somebody, you know, that's a bit of a reach for us because you want that. You want to level up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, so, but miraculously, the script found its way to Andy in a, in a, in a, you know, a divine path. And it weaved its way through and her people read it. And they're like, I think you might be interested in it. She read it. And then they reached out to us and we're like, hey, Andy really digs this. Andy McDowell wants to talk to you guys. And we were like, you got to be shitting me. So we sit down with her on a Zoom, and she's got a little bit of the big cat with her. Uh, she's bringing it a little bit on the Zoom call. Totally pleasant and awesome, but you can see the little moments that she's kind of choosing to show us, hey, I got this in me. And she actually <laughs> tells us at one point, she says, boys, I know I haven't done anything like this, and it's hard for you to envision me, possibly hard for you to envision me in this, but trust me, I have this in me. Just ask my kids. We were like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> But you could, you could already see it. And she's obviously a great actor, so there was no doubt that if – she had the desire, she could do it, yeah. right? Like we're all, man, she's you know, a, a, a paramount talent. There's no way she can't do it. It was just, wow, I can't believe Does she have the desire? Yeah. And the she hunger is there to do it. And she was super pumped about it. So we're like, all right, I, I think we found our girl. Cause we just talking to her, seeing some of the flair she chose to give us on the call. And then just thinking about her in the role and thinking about, you know, people watching her and, and coming in and being, you know, hopefully floored by the choices and the chances she's taken on screen are really exciting. Yeah. Where, was this one, where did you guys film this one at? Louisville, Kentucky. Yes, yeah, so we shot this in Louisville, yeah. Kentucky. And it was really interesting because we we literally shot it in the hollers of Knob Creek, which is old, like, bootlegger country. It was awesome. Yeah. So we've it's got... beautiful. The, the scenery is beautiful. Yeah. It was so stunning, but there was, like... Tornadoes. That do Like, what we learned real fast is, like, shooting a movie in Kentucky in the spring is a temperamental beast. Like... Hmm. That weather is is pretty insane. Um, we would get shut down for tornadoes. We were getting shut down for like extreme uh, rainstorms and lightning strikes. Like we would have everyone run to the shelter, and then lightning would be striking, you know, like a hundred feet out in the middle of the field, like right down on the ground. It was crazy. Uh, it was pretty pretty intense. Um, I, I as a California guy, you know, like I don't see a lot of weather that wild and woolly you see rain here you're kind of like i'll still i'll still go out and walk to the store you see rain there you're like i'm not leaving the porch i'm not going anywhere <laughs> yeah i mean i would be like swimming down the driveway yeah with lightning bolts it was pretty it was pretty wild and i remember like also just you just don't realize everything in, in, in there's a lot of things in louisville that can kill you right like i remember we were out scouting it was cotton heads yeah and like cotton mouse what and the cotton mouse yeah and they were like, like what <laughs> They, they like, swim too. We're yeah, like, yeah like we're out scouting a stream, right? And like we're walking near it, and like, like be careful. We got the we got cotton mouse over there, and I'm like, cotton mouse, what the fuck is that? You know, like, I'm like fucking snakes, and like, oh yeah, we're like, we're, we're in the water. Like those fuck, they swim. We're like, I'll get them. We're like, oh, we're running out there. You know, like we just don't realize there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there. Uh, it's pretty wild. 
Um, so we learned, we learned a lot about Kentucky. We were there for six, seven months. Yeah. We uh, drove all around the hills of Kentucky. We got to know the locals. Um, they were a bit skeptical of us at first, but came around at the, you know, eventually. And S drives a very conspicuous van. So now at first they were like, Hey, you know, we're going to shotgun you down. If you come down my driveway, yeah, they, they got pulled over by the cops. Right. And they were like, what are you doing around here? And we're like, we're looking for a location for a movie. He goes, They're like, we've been getting reports on your vans. Yeah. He goes, he goes, you drove by the same house three times. We're like, yeah. He's like, it's called location scouting. He's like, that's a good way to get shot. And I'm like, driving by a house is a good way to get shot. The cop is telling us. Yeah. He's all, a lot of people out here and they just go missing. Yeah. All like, <laughs> like, they put the fear of God in us, man. We were like, this is some serious terrain. So, and then, awesome. pretty soon word got out we were making a movie. And, you know, even local law enforcement was pretty familiar with Esha's van. So we were driving around location scouting and people would be like, oh, I saw your van. I was like, oh, so it's those boys making that movie. You know? Yeah. And then, like, we had like people flagging us down, like, hey, we just, did, we just got some stew. You want a Pabst or whatever? We're like, yeah. yeah, let's go. You know, like, we, we quickly became uh, ingratiated in the community, but there was a bit of a learning curve for everybody. But, you know, it's the kindest people ever. Once they once they realize you're not out to like rob them or something. Like, yeah. It's like, I don't want your leaf blower. I'm good. Like, <laughs> they're, they're totally cool. You know, they're, they're like, oh, shit. You know, they're asking us to come in for for lunch and beers. And but we would like to pay you to rent your your you know, your Ford your your, uh, your Ram step sign. So yeah. can, we rent, can we rent your truck? That's awesome, Ray. What did I miss with these guys? You didn't miss a damn thing. These are my favorite kind of interviews because my job is to just fill dead space and throw one-liners. I didn't have to do shit tonight. This was- <laughs> oh, man, we got to shut up. We got we're not letting you do your job. No, I like it that way. You guys, like right now. you guys were fun, man. Yeah, this was awesome, guys. So uh, the movie's coming out the uh, the 23rd, right? This this Is it Friday or Saturday? Friday. Friday the 23rd. It's uh, coming out in uh, it'll be some theaters. It'll be some theatrical just uh, presentations, so you can look at your local apps, your local houses, see if it's near you. And if not, it'll be on all major uh, streaming platforms. Yeah, to rent or buy on. Uh, on-demand platforms. Yeah, on the on-demand and the TVOD stuff so whatever you want it's a day and date so they come out at the same time yeah awesome guys thank you so much man i i can highly recommend every one of your movies that i've seen i'm i'm i got started on uh night of the dog today i didn't have quite enough time to finish it but i i will watch it i promise you big fans um Uh, plug, plug away man where can everybody find you all that stuff you know, I think I, I we got some social media. Yes, uh, like Twitter young, and yeah. Twitter. Tw- Ash is not obviously doing much. I, of it, so I don't even know where it. we're at. But Instagram and Twitter, Nelms Bros. Uh, there's also NelmsBros.com, which kind of keeps you up to date with everything we're doing. It's our website, um, everything we've done. So you can easily, you know, look at our our past films and, and access them, or find a place to access them through there. Night of the Dog and Squirrel Trap, a little hard to find. Got to probably reach out to us personally. Yeah, got to know some gotta people. Got to know the man. I know the man <laughs> behind the man. Um, but yeah, everything's out there pretty much. Um, and yeah, if you really want a deep dive, you could try to find Squirrel Trap and Night of the Dog. But I mean, I don't know. You know, those are those are the beginnings, the humble beginnings. Man, so yeah. humble. Maybe maybe down the road we'll see a, a DVD or Blu-ray release of those two. That would be really fun. I mean, I, really I, fun. I think what our plan was like, hey, let's throw them as like a special feature on something. You know, like I'd love yeah. to like juxtapose that with some like massive Marvel movie. Yeah. It, it was- <laughs> 
it's been really fun to see some of the you know dvd or blu-ray compilations on some of our favorite filmmakers like the duplass brothers will do a good job of putting like a bunch of their short films that got them started or i remember m knight did it too yeah i think m knight's done it too with a bunch of the yeah, stuff. yeah. It's, it's just an encouragement right like you need to see that like from people that you like i mean this when we saw m knight's first films we're like okay there's a shot you mean there's a chance <laughs> how terrible these were when he was nine i mean i think they're pretty accomplished you know like it, it, you know but that, it, this is for a nine-year-old it's pretty yeah. but it is for a nine-year-old it's really impressive but you just think to yourself okay he started somewhere too like we don't have to you know we don't have to jump right into thor you yeah know? it's not gonna work yeah. like that and there's a series out there too somewhere i saw on your on your uh, website yes. I, you're better at this job than we are you're hired <laughs> i'm available i'm on i'm unemployed since october hire me <laughs> we're all we all are dude the whole town's been on strike for a year <laughs> guys this was awesome man thank you so much yeah I was gonna say we appreciate it, man. Everyone's everyone's doing great. In case you wanna, in case anybody wants to find that, and the yeah. second season should be coming out here pretty quick. Awesome, awesome. Is is that available? Where is that? Where can people find that? We were on Hulu, and then that deal ran out a few months ago, and now it's looking. It'll be it'll be sold to a new home when it comes out when the second season comes out. So they're in the process of shopping that right now. So I don't have of like, hey, go to Hulu or go to Paramount Plus, but it'll okay. be. We have some offers in on a couple of territories, so it'll be fine to find a home pretty quick, and we can start talking about it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, you guys are welcome back anytime, guys. This this was uh, fantastic. Thank you. Awesome. We can't thank you enough, man. I really appreciate it. It's been a treat, gents. No problem. Yep. Thank you, guys. Much love, guys. Thank you. Bye, guys. Later. Bottom right corner. Slow it all down, Savannah. See it. Say the word. You know what to do. God. For God. Family. Family. Survival. Survival. Big Cat just wanted us to pay a little visit. Leave him alone! They're under the impression that you're in Big Cat's debt that you owe. I took a loan on my place. How much trouble are we in? problem. The damn queen of Oldham County. I'm not sure what I could do about that. If you're gonna survive in these hills, you need to get used to a little blood. Why are putting the screws on me and my family? Now I got good strong boys. They don't have your gifts. I thought I'd give you a chance to work off the debt so I don't put your niece and brother-in-law in a hole. Three jobs to pay off a debt. Three jobs and I'm done. It don't matter what you do. I say when it's over. Father, get me the car in to kill these bastards. Amen. You ready for war? I never needed something more in my life. Take him out. Make a show of it. All right, boys. For God. For family. For survival. 